Welcome to Pod for Teacher. I'm Aaron Fitzpatrick. I'm Nate Langelli. And I'm Brad Baldwin. Just coming off a of Memorial Day weekend. How'd, uh, how was your weekend, gentlemen? Well, I'll tell you, it was lovely. Me and the fam took a little road trip out to see my folks. Went to a beautiful little amusement park known as Knobel. Shout out there. Again, no money from them. Um, but my <laughs> daughter, who is four, loves it. My daughter, who is one, you know, she was smiling the whole time. So that's, that's kind of what we hope for. That's a win. Nice. Saw the yeah. fam, my brother, sisters, all of my parents' grandkids. Whew. It was a whirlwind of a weekend. But we had a great time. So good. what about you, Double B? It was good. We uh, actually went down to West Virginia on camping with some friends from high school. And, and uh, it was just relaxing. Much needed. Very good. Um, I got to, got to spend some time with my, my brother and sister-in-law and, uh, and see my adorable niece. Um, so, so that's always great. So you um, don't have a sad life outside of school like many students think you do. I, I didn't go that far, Nate. I know you're, you're putting words into my mouth. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just letting our lovely <laughs> listeners know. That <laughs> well, let's get started right away with our bell ringer. Um, as a student, gentlemen, did you ever uh, earn a grade in a class that you felt didn't accurately represent the knowledge that you had attained? Absolutely. I, uh, I got C's in English or D's in English and um, A's in math. And my wife can tell you I'm terrible at math. She's the accountant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I think so, but uh, my memory is terrible. Don't, I am a history teacher. That's beside the point. But I got really good grades, but I honestly don't remember a lot of stuff that I learned. So I don't think it was really reflected. Like, if you pressed me back then to explain that, I don't know. I would say, yeah, I got grades that maybe I didn't accurately represent my knowledge. So, yeah. I even think about SATs. I, mean, I actually had a higher score on the math side of my SATs than the verbal side. So did and, I. And I yeah. never would have guessed going in. I never. I didn't feel better about the math section when I took it. And you know, people I tell to this day, they're like, "Really? You know, because I'm not that good at math." Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> I got into English for a reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So, kind of going off that, one of the big questions, I guess you could say, for today's episode which will still be sponsored by Cherry Coke. Why not? I had some Cherry Coke over the weekend, and I'm still in love. I'm still in love. I did also drink some Mountain Dew, so just throwing that out there, Coke. Did you, ch- did you tell Cherry Coke no, about I'm your Mountain Dew Right affair? now I'm trying to tell Cherry Coke, okay. um, right. but I still love Cherry Coke. It's great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the big, one of the big questions is, are grades always an accurate reflection of learning? And I think that's kind of like our main focus for today's episode. It's kind of what we're diving into. Um, so I'm excited about the topic. My math skills will tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think we would like them to be. You know, I think that I think it's always our goal as a teacher to try to make sure that what grade we feel each student earns um, is the one that ends up in the grade book at the end of the term. Yeah. Um, but uh, is that always the case? I don't know. Yeah, and like you brought up a good point, which we might get into a little later. Like this whole idea, like what we feel, see, there's a lot of subjectivity involved with grading, and people think that's a big problem, big issue. Um, but then also, like, what do we want them to learn, right? So all these sort of things that kind of flow from this question. So we'll see how it goes. And also in today's episode, we're, we were fortunate enough to have an interview with Dr. Brian Wargo, uh, who is the 2018 Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year finalist, as well as a published author. So we're looking forward to that. And if you stick around, we'll be right back. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Oh, thank you for that beautiful song, Mr. Cook. I don't really know much about history myself, but people don't hold that against me. I fake it pretty well in class. Uh, 
But going off of our uh, big question for today, it may, does make you wonder then, the current system, you know, A to F, I never dug into why we don't have an E, uh, we skip over E, but we do anyway. Should we move perhaps to a standards-based grading system versus the traditional uh, letter grade? And so, um, tell me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, I'm sure you've heard it too. A common thing you hear from students all the time, just tell me what you want so I can get the grade, so I can do this, don't make me think. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Have you guys come across that? I know I have. Just heard it this morning. <laughs> they were giving speeches. Yeah, and it's like, what knowledge should we care that our students know, and how should they show us? Like, those are the, those are some of the big questions that kind of plague teachers, you know, and have probably for for decades. And I would say, based on that too, it's hard to get. I don't know, maybe years of schooling under their belts. They're like, so, like, this is what you need to do to get a certain letter. Okay, if I do this, I get a C, get a B, get an A, whatever. But trying to break that mold, having them think for themselves, I think that's a, a challenge for a lot of people. And I think it's well, a good aim for us to have as well. Yeah, um, Caitlin Tucker wrote a, a book called uh, Grading for Mastery and Redesigning My Grade Book. Um, she's a teacher, she's a trainer, speaker, and, and as I mentioned, a, a, an author, a best-selling author. Um, and she had a quote in, in her book that I thought was interesting. I wanted to see what you guys thought about. Now she says, I feel like school is a, a lot like a Pac-Man game where students are focused more on gobbling up points and as a result miss the point of learning entirely. Love the Pac-Man reference. I will, I will just say, but it's like that's a that's a really interesting take. I think. Yeah, and a side note: Pac-Man was our game of choice at the local Pizza Joe's before basketball games after school. They had the old arcade go around. I wasn't as good as some friends, but uh, good times. I wasn't going to ask you the Wayne's World question, like what's the difference between Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man? Uh, really? Just the bow, my friend. Just the bow. <laughs> just, the, just the bow. <laughs> And actually going off of that, I found an article, um, The Case for Eliminating Letter Grades According to a School with Too Many Straight-A Students. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, but it was from Quartz Media LLC. And uh, Broer Saxberg actually said, a few letters is a terribly inefficient way to characterize a mind. Uh, how do you guys feel about that quote? It, it is pretty limiting. It, it really is pretty limiting. And I, and I don't know, I mean, I... I I sort of feel like as a student, I remember there being a little bit more representation of, of a bell curve type of grading scale. I remember after every math test, uh, our, our math teacher in high school would put the, the box plot up on the board and show everybody, no, she wouldn't put names on there or anything, but she'd put you know the high score outlier, the low score outlier, the median, and then how many fit into the other quadrants. Um, I think it's quadrants. I apologize to any math teachers <laughs> that do box plots. But, but basically, uh, you know, and I felt like there was a much more broad representation in the grades that we were earning in that class than what I feel like I end up entering sometimes in some of our, our, our grade books. I feel like, you know, a lot of the grades seem to be skewed on the higher end of things than maybe they were whenever we were students. Is that is that just me? Or? Yeah, I think you're right. It, I'm just looking at society as well. Like, it's not just grades, but you look at, it seems now in, in society, people are being pushed, you got to get a college degree. And so it seems like, you know, everybody has a bachelor's now as opposed to, you know, generations ago. You know, not everybody now, everybody now we're pushing for, you need to have a master's and also, so yeah, these grades, and unfortunately, these grades are so, so tied in with class rank, class standings, which is tied into scholarships, which is tied into admissions, which is tied into this. And so, I don't know, we'll get into the solutions, but I would agree. Yeah, it seems like, if C is supposed to represent average, are we really saying that whatever percent of our students are above average in this field? And this, I don't know if that's a fair representation. No, it's not. Um, I mean, growing up, my stepfather used to tell me all the time, just play the game. And the game of school. 
The game is cool, exactly. It's a game of life. Just do what you're supposed to do. Just tell me what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Back to that. Yeah. Uh, another quote I found, uh, he actually said was, think of how much DNA is required to characterize a human being. Like, there's so much that grades can't tell us on the A to F scale. I mean, there's so much more creativity. How, how do you... It's so tough. And as limiting as as limiting as that is, like it's 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 almost it's wild to think about how much is still based on that very limited system. You know, scholarship money, um, college applications. Sometimes you know, jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. when when you're doing the your job interviews, you know, your resumes on that table. They're still looking at your education section first and foremost, and and yep. that's a it's a very big indicator. I think sometimes on who stays in that yes pile longer, um, who gets out of debt quicker, who who you know is financially at, at the very least successful, and uh, and and it is wild to think about how those heavy things, those, those big life changes and, and things that we deal with are based on such a limited system of indicators. Now, I have heard some students say, like, for certain scholarships, they had to write essays to enter in. It's not just the grade. And so I think that's a, a key component. Like, okay, we got grades, but we can add more to it, right? As teachers, we can provide more feedback, perhaps, but then we're getting to the whole you got 130 students, the time to, can you write a paragraph all the time? Like, those are you know, the bumps in the road. But there is, I would say there is a viable, a viable way in which we can assess a student. We can still have grades, but maybe add more to it, right? Performance-based stuff. I would say that could be a possibility. I don't, I don't know how that plays out, but in my mind, it looks like a possibility at least. So I think we're all in agreement that there needs to be more than just the A to F system. There, there needs to be something. Else. Absolutely. Right. But I would also Absolutely. say, like, would you just scrap it entirely? And this is a crazy quote, uh, saying, expression, whatever. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, in my mind, I'm a literal thinker. I'm really envisioning the first person to chuck a baby out with the bathwater. And they're like, oh, wait a second. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's try this again. Go grab the baby, put him back in. Is there a way to dump the water out without hurting or killing the baby? You Are know, they like, confusing the baby with the bathwater, or has the baby been tainted by the bathwater? I, 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 I've never I don't really, understand. Yeah. We understand the meaning. I'm guilty of using that that uh, that cliche. I am. So uh, that's my caution. Is like, do you just say, okay, yeah, let's just scrap it entirely, throw in something new? Like, there's a, there could be a danger with that as well. Something else that we looked at here is um, that some schools in the country, they have gone from the A to F to more of a performance-based system. Uh, there was a district out in, was it Colorado? No, I believe it was Virginia. I can't remember now. It's from an article, Our Letter Grades Failing Our Students, that was put out by NEA Today. Um, but anyway, in one of these districts, they're trying to say another, one of the proposals is, let's just get rid of, rid of the weighted systems and eliminate zero so that the lowest score you can get for an F is a 50%. Like that was one possible solution. You know, like, let's, why have zeros? Why that one, personally, I don't agree with. Like if I go to my job, I do absolutely nothing, they're gonna say, okay, you're, you're halfway there, we'll give you half a paycheck or whatever. We're not gonna, no, I'm gonna get fired, right? I'm not gonna get it. So in my mind, that sort of a, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I guess that's an option that some people have put out there trying to... What do you guys think about that one? Do you like that idea? Do you not? Like, you're, you're rewarding less than mediocrity in that, yeah, at that yeah. point. You know, like you're rewarding laziness or, you know, unsatisfactory job performance. And that, 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 can't, that can't translate to the real world. Uh, it doesn't translate to the real world. And I don't think that that's a system that probably would work on most cases because we're... 
essentially trying to prepare our students for the real world beyond high school. Yeah, if you go into an, inter- if you go into an interview without a resume, it's 50% of the work, right? Right, yeah. Are going to hire you? Not. Right. That's a really need. But. <laughs> like, oh, you're breathing. <laughs> this one's got a pulse. <laughs> Go for it. Why not? <laughs> Sign them up. Give them a raise. Um, but I also heard the fact like people are a big uh, complaint with the A to F system is you're just basically grading base knowledge, right? Rote memorization or whatever it might be. But is it possible to have these letter grades but also attach more to it than just knowledge, right? Can you say okay, this letter, they have a B, but it includes more than just memorizing this. It includes the fact that they collaborated in this assignment, that they analyzed in this assignment. Is that a possibility, you think, to be able to tweak a current system to be able to include all that? Well, some states actually uh, weighted the pros and cons of letter grades and decided to replace them with standard-based grades. I know Kentucky was the first to attempt it, where what they did was they sent home two report cards, one with letter grades, and another indicating how proficient a student was in various standards, like reading and writing with, with a narrative description of progress. So there are schools out there that are, that are adding more than just the A through F grading system. They're sending them two report cards, which I think is actually pretty interesting. Um, and actually, as a result, Kentucky parents overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly preferred the new report cards according to school surveys. So I think people like feedback. I mean, the three of us were talking just earlier about it before we started about face-to-face interaction and how important that is. I know that when I give give my students a speech afterwards, there's always a reflection, and then I always talk to them one-on-one, conferencing, just how did it go, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think you can do better next time, then they actually grade themselves on a self on a self-assessment. Rubric, so. So. I would, I would argue then, not argue, I would ask, like, so what is the value in self-assessment? Because then people are like, well, are you just going to give them the score that they give themselves, right? Uh, oh, yeah, I think I got a 10 out of 10 on that one there, Fitz, you know, or, or Baldwin. <laughs> sure. I, that was I think, a stellar work we got going on. I think, one of the, I think the issue there is that they're not taught properly what to look for. And I think student, students really need to understand uh, what are we looking for, what's going to set them apart from that other student. Because, I mean, the A to F grading system is basically just competitive nature, right? But as, as teachers, I would throw you say what to look for. In Pennsylvania, we have standards, right? So you'd be like, hey, in this class, these are the standards that you're supposed to be able to do and achieve and hit and do all this sort of stuff. And can you do that through like this assignment? How do you stack up? That's what I mean. I guess we could just pull that out and be like, this is what our state says you're supposed to be able to do. Sure. Um, I think self-improvement is one of the biggest things. It's just where, what areas can you grow with? And I think the self-assessment, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree, Brad, if you're, you know, you've been doing that now for a while as well, that it really kind of puts that reflection piece back on the student. Because how many times have you ever passed back a test or a paper or something where you've painstakingly added all kinds of feedback and, you know, marked things up? The student flips to the back page, sees that score, throws the, the paper into the recycling. And then you're sitting there scratching your head wondering, like, why did I take all that time to give them feedback on improvement whenever they didn't even feel like they had to do that? So giving that self-assessment piece, I think sometimes, it's, it's, it's not a cure-all, but I do mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a piece that, that can uh, benefit the students in the long run because they're forced to think about what it is that, where they fell short, what they can do to improve, um, and, uh, and I think there's some real growth there. But to, I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit, if we're doing all the standard-based assessments and you know people are saying, yeah, I'm proficient, I'm advanced, I'm whatever, 
is that just like a participation trophy of educational reform, right? Is that something that is a is that something that's true in society? Like you see, oh, you know, you have this. Everybody they participate, so everybody gets a trophy. We know what James Harrison how he feels about participation trophies. <laughs> am I right? Um, but it, is that a is that a downfall? You could say of going to some sort of system like that. By the way, it was Heinz Phil. <laughs> Heinz Phil or Bill? Is it a V or F? B I L L. He kept saying not he Heinz kept, Field. Not it, Heinz Field. Throw back to the first episode. You're going to have to go back and, t and take a listen if you want to get that reference. And uh, we highly encourage that you do so. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, that's actually something that my brother brought up when, when he and I were, were talking about this, uh, this episode topic was that, you know, if you go to standards base, is it because, you know, students have trouble being compared to each other, class rank, GPA, whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and there's some disappointment involved whenever that comparison is made. And, and maybe it's like, okay, now this is all positively framed, you know, you've attained this goal or this skill, you can move on to the next step. It's a it's a more of a feel good thing. It, is, is that are we are we kind of succumbing to that mentality? Or is this really like the the movement that needs to be made to reform education, right? Because in high school, you're supposed to prepare kids for life after school. And I'm sure in most jobs, they're not just handing out participation awards to everybody. That's, it, I don't know. <laughs> Keep it up. Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay, so when we come back, our interview with Dr. Brian Wargo. Pod for Teacher is the brainchild of Aaron Fitzpatrick, Nate Langelli, and Brad Baldwin, and produced in their personal capacity. Opinions expressed on this podcast are the host's and guest's own, and do not reflect the views of Freedom Area High School or the Freedom Area School District. Any account of this podcast without the written set of Major League Baseball is strictly prohibited. We're joined now by Dr. Brian Wargo, 2018 Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year finalist, published author of the books Bird, an Exploration of Hawk Watching, and Visiting Mother Nature, a Beginner's Guide to Off-the-Grid RVing. Uh, handlebar mustache enthusiast and uh, overall just one heck of a guy. How you doing, Brian? Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is our first. Uh, thank you for being our first guest on Pod for Teacher. So, Dr. Orgo, what, what flaws do you see in the current Ada F system? Well, we just get right into yeah, it. Yeah, we do. We don't really, uh, we just, don't really shoot the breeze. You know what I mean? Like, no. <laughs> so, on, on a date, you know, <laughs> dinner, and then... Do you want to have kids right away? Like, how, Would you how like to have kids? <laughs> yeah, like, you want to get married? And, and again, with Baldwin's eyes, the way he looks at you, like, as soon as he looked at me, I, I lost what he was saying. Oh, was his eyes are like the first date I love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen, have you seen <laughs> how many girls sign up for his volleyball teams? I understand because of those, that. Probably because of those eyes. But I'm already worried about the letdown. So, like, I, I'm, I'm in that stage, and now I'm just worried about, like, when he looks at someone else, what about me now? You know so you're saying you know, it's cheap. It's you know, Nate and I were worried about, you know, like, we, we decided to do this because we realized we were faces for radio, kind of yes. basically. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, this, hold on, this is hold one on. platform one where... One of you is. The other, the other could easily be on television, okay? And I think you know who you are. Yes. I don't know, but... The, 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 you don't have I'm to point blushed. that out. Like, this is a, he might I have the nice eyes, but, like, you don't... Like, Fitz knows it, right? But you don't have to say it. He already, You knew it before him, right? We don't have to be explicit about this. Like our, that I was the ugly duckling? We didn't say ugly. Why are you always self-deprecating? You're just not Langelli's looks. Thank you. I aspire I'm to blushing. be someday. Look, people Is respect you. Langelli, they look at as right. eye candy. Yeah. And that's And, and I'm okay with that. Yes. I can... Hey, I have no problems oh, with I would that. Oh, I would trade it all. We, I would trade we all have roles to fill in society. We all can't be respectable. Right. Some of us are just, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, like you said, eye candy. Eye candy. Yeah. To me, that's Baldwin. He's my eye candy. No, no, no. Well, 
Okay, let <laughs> So you might answer these questions. We're just going to be staring at Brad the whole time. <laughs> Wait, Brad? That's his first name. Gotcha. <laughs> All, right. All right, so uh, back to how many kids you want to have. <laughs> Two and always have a girl first. It's true. Can you, you, have a, you have is this scientific? Can you actually, we did some reading. Can I, I have two girls myself. 99 out of every 100 dentists will tell you you should always have the girl first before the boy. And that's, you can cause it, that to happen Now, I know purpose. you said scientist. I said dentist making a joke, you know, because. You know, <laughs> I was just about to ask, why dentists? Well, you know what they call. Because they recommend gum. Well, you know, know what they call uh, doctors when they fail out of medical school. Dentist. Any dentist out there? We apologize to all of our dentist listeners. I do too. But, <laughs> but, but, but you should reevaluate when you're sticking power tools into people's mouths and you have a smile on your face. Why? It just doesn't make sense. But you know, there's a, a percentage of the population that's sociopaths, right? And psychopathy is probably a genetic uh, disposition. It's probably in our genes, and it's probably about one, maybe two percent of the population. Now you said probably a lot. That doesn't seem very scientific. Well, when you say probability, <laughs> probability there. is scientific, right? So if you were to take and scientifically, uh, you have a beautiful smile, by the way. So your dentist on. must be doing a great job. I know you're lying, but I don't care. But like, it, <laughs> yes. Okay. Did you have a question, Mr. He, oh, he asked it a long time ago. I'm sorry. I forgot I was looking in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question though. What, what flaws do you see in the current A to F grading system? Uh, the big picture is it's just nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. We have almost all of our students writing things down on pencil and paper. And pencil and paper is supposed to be indicative of your overall being. So that's a problem right there. Uh, it also is going to be rewarding those that memorize. And most of school is memorization, which is a model that no longer exists as, or is relevant. All of us have a phone right now. You can look up anything that you'd want. Um, I have a master's in physics. You don't, but you know as much physics as I do when you have that phone next to you. So if that's what we're doing, which I would, I would declare is uh, the main um, system of grading is memorization, um, it tells you right there that it's seriously flawed. Uh, other things. Um, if you were to say you have an A, what does that actually mean? Anyone want to jump in on this? The, Scar uh, the scarlet letter A, or? <laughs> no, okay, anyway. I mean, <laughs> what does an A mean? It means on a pencil and paper test, usually, right, you have guessed, and, and by the way, uh, do you guys know about the um, uncertainty principle in physics? I feel uncertain a lot. Okay. But I don't. Well, good. Um, knowing that is is really important. So it basically says if you have um, if you can measure uh, something's momentum and its place in space, um, you, we like to think in physics that you'd be able to have unlimited re reliability in replicating any experiment, and that's just not true because by making an observation. Uh, the photons that are coming to your eyes had to bounce off that object, and they carry a little bit of momentum. So if you happen to know exactly where that particle is, you can't say with any certainty what its velocity is, and vice versa. So um, it's a really important principle, not in physics, not just for physics, but for everything. So if you look at our, our standardized testing, uh, if you want to be complete, have a completely objective test, you want to have one where there's no fuzziness. So you can have multiple choice, A, B, C, D, right? And you have to make sure that there's no, you know, overlap between A, B, C, and D. And you will know for sure if, like, if I had a, um, a worthless question um, on a test, it might be like, what is the capital of the United States? You could have 
uh, A, Boston, B, Washington, D.C., C, Denver. You would know for certain that uh, if they selected B, that they had the correct answer, okay? Now, uh, in the grand scheme of things, how important of a question is this for their overall intellect, for their overall knowledge of history, for anything? Very, very, very shallow, right? So we have great confidence in a completely shallow uh, question that they could have just guessed on anyhow. So it doesn't really tell us anything meaningful. And so a lot of people like to say, well, you don't want to get into all the fuzziness of, uh, you know, English teachers. Any of you an English teacher? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so they, they've been um, parlayed as a group of intellectuals that are relativistic and really have no grounding in, you know. Feel free to refute this at any time, guys. I mean, Were you lying about the, uh, you're not an English teacher. I'm just saying, um, we've often uh, scrutinized these English teachers because they have um, nonlinear answers. In, in other words, declarative statements are not enough for an English teacher. They want to know holistically, what is the point that you're making and are you backing that? And uh, we're very uncomfortable with that because you might have one teacher who grades it, um, you know, a 90%, another teacher that grades it a 70%. And of course, they're not looking at what is the objective. And we like to write out our behavioral objectives from back in the day. We still are required to write objectives. But the more precisely you write those objectives, often the less meaningful it actually is. And so that's what we're not taking into account with our educational system, and especially the grading. We feel so uncomfortable having any, um, anything other than complete objectivity that we lose sight of what we're actually down to is nonsensical and really not very meaningful. No. You, I don't know, I just thought about this. Couldn't you take the current grading system, you can keep letters, but can't they represent more than just rote memory? Can't they just represent more than just knowledge? Like, couldn't you factor in assignment, whatever it is, that these letters can actually mean more than just what you memorize? I love what you just said. So what's an A mean? What's an A mean? What does an A mean? You've just got an A. What does that mean? Oh, you can have, what do you do? Rubrics, right? you got rubrics, you got your objectives. What if they meet those objectives? Could that then translate into a letter grade? The other problem, again, with rubrics, um, rubrics are for, and this, this is delicate because I know um, we teach teachers to use rubrics, but I always say um, rubrics are for non-experts. Uh, if you're an expert in a field, you don't use rubrics. You don't need them. And, um, so can I just assign letters then, say B, C, A? We do it all the time. Let's face it, in the end, grades are all made up. They're all made up. They're completely relative, as objective as you want to make them. At some point, we're still going to end up saying, this is worth so many points. So if we can just get over this hump of, of understanding that all grades are essentially made up. Um, but you still haven't really um, told me what an A means. And we'll use your criteria that you're right. just talking about. Oh, can I elaborate? Please. Okay. Somebody who knows the information, not just knowledge-wise, but can apply it to the world around them. That's how I view like, okay, say we're learning about World War II, whatever it is in history class. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Okay, can they, in the back of their mind, say, okay, this is what caused the, you know, some of the precursor stuff. This is what happened. This is the long-term effects. And then say, okay, this is the world around us. What's happening here? What's happening there? And can you make judgment calls based on that? That is somebody who I would say has an A. Do they remember the Battle of the Bulge? Maybe not. Do they remember it? But I would say that in my That's mind. That's excellent. So get rid of the A and just say what you were saying, except condense it down a little bit. That's how we should be grading. Okay. But then uh, I guess the problem I see with that, is 
I like the idea, but then when you're talking about colleges and universities and loans and scholarships and all that, like so much colleges is tied with that and universities with that and their letter, admission you know? are also problematic, right? Because all of us know people that can uh, get really high grades, but you wouldn't hire them to work at a car wash, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they really can't apply anything. They have no creativity. They cannot flexibly interact with anything other than um, maybe the things that they've memorized and maybe they can put them in a different order or something like that. So let's never look at our universities as the beacon of what we should be aspiring. I, 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 have, to, I have to jump in there, mostly because you know we, we're choosing when we go to these higher level educational institutions to pay lots and lots of money to, for the expert uh, we're not knowledge. We're, we're not necessarily choosing the institution. The institutions are kind of choosing us and not in an equitable fashion, anyhow. That's that's fair. That's that's for a different like, day at this point. Okay. I feel like, but but, but to my no, but, but, what, but, but, the point that, that I'm that trying is, to make that is the part of the grading scheme, right? So if you go to Seneca Valley, you can end up with what a, a 5.0, right? Which I is that? I don't know. Yes, you can. Okay. Because you can have you know so many of these classes. So what does that mean now? Is that like an A plus? Is that like a, an AA? And I think that's what Nate's trying to say. It's like that you have, uh, you know, like what, whatever an A means to you or whatever an A means to this institution, you know, might compare, contrast with that of, you know, the expectations of another. The point I was trying to make was, I, I don't know that I've, I can't remember too many opportunities. I don't know if, about you guys, Brad, uh, Nate, if you uh, ever remember getting rubrics back in college. You know, a lot of times, like you said, Brian, you're, you're, you're talking about, um, banking on that instructor's professional or expert knowledge that they can just put an A on your paper and hand it back and say, well, to me, this is an A. And it's funny that we pay this, all this money for, for that level of feedback whenever there's so much more oversight at the K-12 to level, like how we're trained and how we're taught and how we're supposed to provide all this paperwork and feedback and documentation. You and know? and that's, that's the bigger problem with grades. Not only are they nonsense, but they're actually destructive to learning. And that's the bigger point, and that's the question we should be asking. Uh, why grades, and what is the impact that grades have? Because now you're not going for deep, meaningful learning. You're going for that letter grade. Uh, I, like a competitive nature almost, right? Competitive like nature is not, is not necessarily a, a bad thing, but what are they competing for, right? Um, what we should be looking for is um, meaningful, intellectual, stimulating, creative people that are coming out that can uh, utilize a broad use of many different domains and make something that has not been made before. How does that mean an A? Sure. I guess in my mind, then that brings me back to the point, is it really the system that's at fault or is it our fault as teachers not fostering that sort of learning. Like, can you still have this system of A, B, C, whatever, but still foster the desire to learn, to compete for the sake of maybe learning a knowledge, learning a skill, applying it? Like, is it really the system overall, or is it just how we use the system? Well, the, the problem is teachers have gone through this same outdated system, and when they come into the system, this is just how it is. And uh, so it, we, we got to be careful about teacher bashing because uh, really, that's how they were taught, and those are the values that we instilled with them. Get the A. Does it mean anything about your learning? Not necessarily. Just get the A. Right, I'm not trying to bash that, but that's just like in my, my. I'm just trying to wrap my head around: is it the system itself? Is Absolutely. It the way we, okay. But the teachers are part of the system, right? And parents are part of the system, and students are part of the system, and they want that. Uh, you know, you have 
parents that will get upset when you're doing something innovative in your class it's almost this mentality of look when i was at school we sat there and it sucked and by god it better suck for you too because if you're having fun oh, through my class it's no picnic i, <laughs> I hear that all yeah. the time it's just um, terrible so you know but why don't we just scrap our a b c d f system and just write at the end of a semester for every student a meaningful paragraph kind of what you were saying yeah well, to the, me, that's worthwhile. In a way, it kind of goes back a little bit to what we were talking about with uh, with the possibility of this kind of change to what we talked about with our first episode on the school start time issue. Um, you know, there's lots of great ideas out there, but um, how much of that depends on other institutions, either near you or just you know regionally, whatever, um, adopting that same kind of change? You know, is is that pressure on you to? It, it's I think it's bigger than just your own. You know, student population, your faculty, your parents. I think, you know, you're you're looking at, you know, the post-secondary institutions that your students apply to. You're looking at other school districts in the area and how they're doing it. And then, you know, how willing are districts to want to stand out and take that plunge? And knowing that that's going to create a, an, like maybe a snowball effect or or not. I don't know. So, so two things on that. First of all, teachers have always been the change agents for society. Always. The problem is we have teachers, and this is only going to happen in education. We expect, and there's so many reasons why you don't want to be a teacher. One of them is because um, you're going to most likely fail. 50% of our teachers leave the field in uh, five years, and there's good reason uh, why they leave. First of all, pay is incommensurate with um, other professions, so if you become a, a physicist versus a physics teacher, the pay is nowhere even close. Uh, the, the second thing is, only in education do we expect, after some basic training, get a bachelor's degree. Now it's more like a master's. But on your first day, we expect you to be good. No other profession. Imagine being a lawyer and being expected to be good. Lawyers will take several positions, work up to a senior position, and then they're expected to be good. But not teachers. Your first day, you're on your own, and you're supposed to be able to pull this off. That's problematic, right? So change is going to need to come from teachers uh, and we shouldn't be looking to you know our higher institutions problem is um, the power that a young teacher has is almost zero they don't know what they're doing they don't have any backing they don't even have tenure yet and now we're going to ask them um, to enter a class with rowdy students that um, is going to get more and more problematic as time goes on and we want them to suddenly change the world that's a tall order. But that's also why we should, um, th this is an American phenomenon. You know, uh, we don't want our teachers to be experts. We act like we do, but we really don't. Uh, we kind of want them to be like factory workers. You know, toe the line, follow the lead. And often we have administration. Administration, that's a different ball game, right? They're worried about keeping the lights on, keeping parents happy and, and things of that nature. Um, so in the end, it comes down to teachers. But we should empower teachers, especially you know, a few years in, maybe like five, 10 years in, when they still have the energy and they still have the innovative spirit. If they haven't left in five years. If they haven't <laughs> left in five years, and we need to keep them. It is ludicrous to uh, have teachers on their own and expect them to develop. And most of professional development is also a waste of time. It, it truly is. Um, but uh, this is what we should be doing. How do we get teachers together 
and organize around theoretical constructs that would help us with this i like the thoughts that is but how do you do all that when there's so much external stuff right yet lawmakers passing things you have districts saying you need to have certain scores in order for the evaluation process you got this is there a way to viably not just like these are wonderful to viably make these changes while still adhering to all the noise and all the stuff yes that is going on and here's how you do it you be the best teacher in the world because everyone falls over backwards for excellent teachers they will do anything for you, allow you to try anything. I do it for you, buddy. I know, thank you, I appreciate <laughs> that. But uh, that's the answer. You, you know, uh, if you have an excellent teacher, the last thing that you're gonna wanna do is slow them down. Unless, unless you have uh, administrators that have pathologies um, that will literally try to get in your way and put barriers. And we've seen them before. As teachers, we've all seen them. They lack confidence in what they're doing. They don't know anything. And by the way, to be an administrator, you don't have to know anything. You have to know who does know something and who can push it forward. And teachers are on the front lines, and that's why they're the change agents. Because in the end, no matter what grandiose plans you have from educators, um, from administrators, from lawmakers, in the end, it comes down to teachers interacting with students in the classroom. In the end, that's what matters, and, and there's backing to this. If you go to any professional uh, instruction and learning conference, right, and they, they, they truly have these, educators that do nothing but research, what is the factor that is, you know, making a difference in the classroom? And I want all of you to buckle in. This is gonna be a hard one to believe. I don't have it's, buckle on my chair, but I'll it's work on the, it. <laughs> it's yeah. the teacher that matters. That's what matters. Um, people come up to me all the time and they say, um, oh, I don't know about this school district, they, you know, their scores are this or that. That doesn't matter. We all know, you guys know about probabilities and things of that nature. Um, we know that in any group, you're gonna have kind of a bell-shaped curve. And uh, you're gonna have some really outstanding professionals and you're gonna have those that we all wonder, um, how do they ever get a job? And in the middle, you'll have, you know, your average. Right? And that goes for any institution, any profession. It goes for sports, everything. Um, all you need to do is go to the school and make sure that your sons and daughters get the best teachers in that school. And I don't care if they're teaching art or physics or if they're teaching um, what's um, communications or what is it you teach? If it's Mostly journalism. Bro. Journalism. Journalism. Thanks for noticing. Is, is, <laughs> no, I, I know what you do, but I just didn't know the one word because you're into technology and things of that nature. You are, right? So, but... It, you, you get those teachers that are transformative. And if you have transformative teachers, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, well, yeah. Speaking of transformative teachers, I, I did want to at least uh, to kind of wrap things up with, with, We're with, a, with, up a, with a little bit. I know, we've had so much fun. <laughs> um, my very first year, um, I was told by a, a, a former colleague of ours that, you know, some days, some days on this job are a little tougher than others. You know, sometimes you might you might get a little down, you might get bogged down in the in the work or, or the the stress of it all. But if you're ever having a rough day, if you're ever wondering why you're here and why you do this job, go see Brian Wargo. <laughs> he'll he'll remind you um, why why it is we do what we do. And I think it should be clear to the listeners, uh, anyone that's anyone that's hearing this, why exactly that advice is. I, I believe very sound advice. We've been very very excited about that so um, I'd like to 
thank you for your time. Thank you for being our very first guest on Pod for Teacher. And uh, Did you just say hot for teacher? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you got the I'm glad you got the plan. Words. In 1984, Great. you know, that, that was that's my, my guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's when I used to listen to music. You know. Yeah. Well, I very much appreciate you coming on, um, and uh, we hope to have you back when we talk about some other some of these other big uh, big topics Absolutely. in the, the world well, of education. Thank you very much for having me. And um, the doc in the yeah, house. If you need anything, let me know. So to wrap up, what do you guys think? What are your personal thoughts? A to F grading system, good, bad, yay, nay, tweak, keep. What do you think? As I mentioned before, I think there needs to be more than just the A to F, a to F system. There's uh, I don't know. There's something to be said about one-to-one -one interaction and, and peer feedback and, and self-assessment. I think all of that plays a more important role than just the ADF system, but at the same time, there are transcripts, there are grades that need to be out there that, I mean, how do you, I don't know, how do you translate that for colleges? And I think it's one of the biggest issues that I see. And I'm looking forward to the one-to-one -one feedback from this uh, episode with you guys. It's a <laughs> highlight of mine. Yeah. We can be sure that uh, we'll receive plenty from our, our friend Jay Griff. Uncle Griff. Yeah, Uncle Griff. I think it's interesting that we keep coming back to this hurdle that we seem to have to always clear with anything we try to do or talk about, and that's just the, the fear of change. You know, it's like it's, it, it's easy to spin your wheels and just to continue to do the same thing because that's how it's always been done and it's worked for so many years and you hear that argument out there but um, the the biggest argument against changing the grading system seems to be well you know that any change to this current system is going to be more subjective in nature but as Dr. Wargo pointed out um, in our discussion there that you know the A to F system is inherently subjective in and of itself um, the real world is subjective, you know, like you can't guarantee that when you go off to college that your two professors are going to teach the same way, grade the same way, provide the same kind of feedback. When you're in the real world, um, you're going to have no way of being able to say, you know, okay, okay this, I'm a professional in this field and my boss does this way or this company's run this way and then you go to a different company doing the exact same job and you know you can't guarantee that that boss the new boss is going to handle things a certain way or, or whatever you know you, you have to be able I think one of the strongest things that, we, that one of the best things that we can teach our kids in this generation is the ability to adapt and overcome obstacles and persevere and uh, and I think just that that, that fear of change shouldn't hold us back from trying to make movement whenever we feel that change needs to be made. For me, it's not the change that's scary. It's the translation into the real world. It's the translation into college or whatever the next step is for these students. Like if we were to be the front runner for a different system, how do we, how do we implement that so it translates? That's the problem I see. That's a valid point, but for me, I guess the big takeaway, what the doc was saying, uh, the fact like teachers play the most vital role, and he was just saying like, you know, they might not be listening to you to a thing you're saying, but they're watching. You know, these the students are watching you all the time, watching you interact, and, and I agree with him. It's like, if you build that relationship, you have the rapport with students, they'll push themselves. You know, they'll achieve, they'll try new things, they'll be more willing to take risks, and possibly even be able to fail. I think that's a, that could be a whole other topic. You know, students not wanting to fail, not wanting to, you know, not succeed right away. Uh, but there's a quote again from the article from NEA Today by Ken Halla, who's a high school teacher, history teacher from Fairfax County, Virginia, for 24 years. And he said that he wishes uh, students were motivated just by learning, but kind of like what you guys are saying, that's really not realistic as they have to get into college or get a job after high school. That's what he says. 
Uh, and to that end, grades, be they numbers or letters, are a motivating factor, not unlike money for an employed person. Again, what, this is why we were teachers, right? The money factor. Money. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Watch that bank account grow. Um, what I have been doing is back to the quote here. What I have been doing is moving towards personalizing the learning experience for my students. So assessments always depend on the student and the situation. And I think that's a, for me anyway, that's one of the big takeaways is, okay, we have this system, but ultimately, you know, no matter what system you have, if you have a good relationship with your students, I think students will succeed. They will strive, whether it be, you know, the A to F scale, whether you have this, you know, performance-based, this or that. Um, so I, that was one thing that I took from uh, his interview that really stuck with me, and I, I kind of really wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it's a great place to leave it. Aw, thanks. <laughs> We'd like to thank our guest, Podvocate. Dr. Brian Warka for joining us. See what I did there, guys? Uh, Uncle Griff, I did not support his free and loose use of Podvocate there. And just to explain for those of you who don't know who, who, don't know who Uncle Griff is, that would be Mr. Jeffrey Griffith, another uh, teacher colleague of ours who is not a fan, per se, of these puns that Fitz throws out every once in a while. And I call him Uncle Griff because we all have one of those uncles. And you just, I don't think that's Uncle I don't think you really need to really explain. I might be the uncle in my family. I don't know. But that's Uncle Griff. So that was not an authorized use of podvocate, but he threw it in there anyway. <laughs> that's for you, buddy. <laughs> and then this year at Freedom Area High School, um, the seniors actually did a class vote on who they wanted to do the commencement speech and read off names. And actually, all three of us sitting at the table were elected to do so, which is awesome. And thank you, seniors. What an honor. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you. But. This week, on Friday, during the commencement, Aaron and Nate will be both giving the this, this speech that we're going to be sharing the speech. So next week, what I'd like to do for our episode, maybe on Friday, afterwards, we'd like to air the episode, and I'd like to give my commentary on their speech. Or roasting of the speech, perhaps. 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 This could be good. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, now, Nate, now Nate let's be. Let's I have a very high expectation. All right, go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> go ahead. You're saying. Nate and I are very, uh, very excited to give the speech. Um, now I think I'm even more excited about Brad's commentary of the speech after the speech. I mean, he is a communications teacher. I expect some harsh criticism. <laughs> and, and let's and let's not let him off the hook because he is reading off the names of the students. And if he misspell or mispronounces one of them as the communications teacher, I'm going to start booing from the audience. That's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Expect nothing less. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be equal here. Uh, but uh, so yeah, so maybe our next pod live from commencement. Maybe not live, but well, uh, maybe hey, pod know, from commencement, uh, special special edition episode. Um, follow us on Twitter at Pod for Teacher. Um, that includes you, Nate, and Brad. I don't know why you're, why you're still <laughs> missing this Twitter boat, but um, I'm thinking about us. hopping on. I'm thinking. Tweet I'm thinking at about us. It. <laughs> tweet at us at Pod for Teacher, and then let Nate and Brad know what they're missing and why they need to to jump on that train. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon, or we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>